Hi, everyone. Uh, no music today. I'm not really feeling it. We'll, we'll get into that later. Uh, I am wearing a light purple shirt today. I really like it. I think, actually, I should wear it more often. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 427. Let me start today by giving a big thank you to today's sponsor, LinkedIn. These days, it can be hard to find and hire the right candidates for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs made it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. Focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience and use screening questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified. Then use the simpler tools on LinkedIn Jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash opinion. That's linkedin.com slash opinion to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, hey, LinkedIn showed up last minute, and I was like, hey, what's up? You guys are great, and they were awesome. I really like working with them behind the scenes. Uh, and Kate, I think I did say, this is episode 427. I want to start with a general statement. I think that there's something that's gone a little bit underappreciated this year in the football world. It's been an insane year. We're now through 14 weeks of NFL football. Uh, you know, 14 weeks in, four weeks left, and I have no idea what is going to happen. If we look at the AFC playoff picture, for example, if we started the playoffs today, the number one seed would be the New England Patriots. They are nine and four. Behind them, number two, the Titans are nine and four. Kansas City's nine and four. Also, they're the number three seed. The Ravens are eight and five. They are the number four seed. LA, the Chargers are eight and five as well. They're the number five seed. Then it gets wildly interesting. You got. Seven and six, the Colts are the number six seed right now. At seven and six, also you have the Buffalo Bills as the number seven seed. That would be the playoff picture if the playoffs started today. But then you have another set of four teams that are all seven and six. You got the Browns, Denver, and Cincinnati. They're all three of them seven and six. And then behind them, the Steelers are six, six, and one. And then still not eliminated, you have the number 12 and number 13 seed. The Raiders and Miami are both six and seven. What I'm getting at is... There are, it's insane how many teams are, like, both literally Miami and the Raiders are two games behind the LA Chargers, who are currently the number five seed with four games left. It's madness, and I don't know what's going to happen. There's a lot of unknowns right now, and it's really fun. I just want people to appreciate it's a rare year in football where there's not a lot of clarity who's going to make the playoffs at this stage of the year, and usually by now, at least one team has clinched a playoff spot we're not even there yet, and it's it really, I think, is something that deserves appreciation. My favorite thing in sports is when I have no idea what's going to happen, right? I get a lot of flack. People like, make predictions, and I'm like, I, uh, no, I don't, I couldn't predict what's going to happen if I wanted to. I would look, I, honestly, I'd be wrong somehow, and it, it's just not worth it. I, I, I really legitimately have no idea. I, have, I, I might contradict myself because I have one prediction I want to make. We'll get to that in a moment. I have a, a proclamation I'm willing to stand by 
and it'll be fun to look back on. But for now, let's look at the NFC because the top is pretty solid in the NFC. You have the Packers at 10 and 3, they're number the number 1 seed. Then Tampa also 10 and 3, they're the number 2 seed. The number 3 seed is Arizona, again 10 and 3. Dallas is 9 and 4, they're the number 4 seed. LA, the Rams are 9 and 4, they're the number 5 seed. But then it gets wildly interesting in the NFC as well. The number 6 seed, 7 and 6 are the 49ers. And then currently if the playoffs started today, the number seven seed would be Washington at six and seven. But then you also have at six and seven, Minnesota, Atlanta, Philly, and New Orleans. So there are 11 teams still in the hunt in the NFC and 13 teams still in the hunt in the AFC. Only four teams have been truly eliminated. You got Detroit, <laughs> Jacksonville, the Jets, and Houston. They're awful. They're out. But everyone else basically has a legitimate, and eh, not a legitimate, like the Giants are not eliminated, but the Giants are not going to make the playoffs, things like that. But there's a lot of teams right now still in the mix that could make a miracle thing happen. And I, I just really love that no one has clinched a playoff spot yet. We just don't know what's going to happen. And it's going to be a crazy finish to the end of the year. Why I love what's going on is I don't know what's going to happen. A lot of people, again, predictions are like, make predictions. Tell me what's going to happen. How could I? I'm just in, sitting back and enjoying the show. It's going to be a wild end to the year. And here's what I will commit to. And th this will be very fun to look back on this prediction. And if I'm wrong, it'll be really, I think, enjoyable to look back and analyze like, huh, what did I miss? Why was I wrong in this proclamation I'm about to make? Uh, but I want to set my expectations clear. And this is not the most bold statement I've ever made. I, if I really wanted to be bold, I'd make it three teams, not five. But I, right now... And right now, and I'm going to stick with this because I, I just look ahead. I'm like, I, I just have to be honest. There's only five teams in the NFL right now that I believe can win a Super Bowl this year. Now, I almost didn't include Arizona. But then if you asked me two weeks ago, I would have not included the LA Rams. So I go back and forth. The NFC West is very weird. I don't want to be disrespectful to the year Arizona's had. I do think they've got some, I worry about coaching and little mistakes and critical moments. I feel like, the way they lost to the Packers, right, on a miscommunication on a back shoulder fade or the way they just lost to L.A. with the Rams. I don't know why they didn't spike the ball and take their time and gather themselves and then throw a real Hail Murray to the end zone. I Hail Murray? That's kind of fun. Hail Murray. I like that. Hail Mary, Hail Murray, Kyler Murray. Um, no, I, I have concerns about Arizona, and I think when I compare Arizona and the Rams, the Rams had a really rough streak where they were playing some bad football. But I think that can be traced back to the same day they got Odell Beckham Jr., they also brought in, sorry, they also lost Robert Woods to injury. And what was the problem over the last while? Well, the, the Rams had a, a period where they were really struggling, losing bad games. Matthew Stafford wasn't playing well. The defense wasn't bad. It was Matthew Stafford having turnovers. I'm not quite knowing what to do with the football often. And I think it was growing pains when you lose your number two receiver. And then also... If, imagine if they hadn't lost Robert Woods and they could have integrated Odell Beckham Jr. slowly into the offense and taken time to figure out where he fits. They had to learn on the fly, and that's a big adjustment to make, losing an integral part of your offense, replacing with another guy who's brand new and figuring that out as you go. I think that is the explanation for why the Rams struggled. And, and the Rams recently, I thought they got their footing against Jacksonville. Kind of, It was like a good game for them to regroup. And then against Arizona, we saw... Hey, the Rams, their offense looks fine. Like, they really are. They're beating man coverage. Cooper Cup has a bunch of ways to beat man coverage. Honestly, like, I don't know how you'd... 
we're getting to the territory of it's going to be really hard to figure out how to defend the Rams. And you're just going to be hoping that Matthew Stafford makes a mistake. And the way Matthew Stafford played on Monday Night Football against Arizona, the way he played there, that can win a Super Bowl. So Arizona, I think, can win a Super Bowl. The Rams can win a Super Bowl. So can New England. The NFC is not as, uh, sorry, the NFC is way stronger than the AFC. The AFC, I'd be surprised if anyone from the AFC won a Super Bowl. Although the one team I will give a chance to is the New England Patriots. I think that Kansas City has a lot of problems and the Patriots are, they got better defense. Mac Jones is vastly underrated. I really, I think that, especially the fact that he won a game throwing three passes, people are going to go, He's bad. He's a rookie. He can't throw the football. I'm like, okay, you you go in 50-mile-an-hour wins and try to beat the Buffalo Bills. He did. Now, did he do much? He handed off the ball like a bazillion times. But I, to me, that was actually kind of a flex. So, like, we can win without even throwing the football. It's amazing. And so Arizona, the Rams, New England, and then Green Bay and Tampa, I think, are the two most complete football teams in the NFL. I believe that will be the NFC title game. But... Those are the five teams that I believe can win a Super Bowl, and I, I'm sticking with that. I really, I don't know who else could possibly emerge. Dallas has a lot of concerns. Dak Prescott's really worrying me. Kansas City's defense isn't as good as it needs to be. Their offensive line is still like, eh, I mean, they're they're kind of finding their footing. They're getting better, but I, it's you have to pick what's your poison, right? Who are truly the best teams in the NFL? Kansas City's not awful, certainly. Did you watch the way they just dominated the Raiders? But Who's a better, more complete football team? Green Bay or Kansas City? Tampa Bay or Kansas City? Like LA, the Rams or Kansas City? And the Rams have playmakers, man. Look at their defense. I, and Aaron Donald made a bunch of big plays against the Cardinals. Um, I expect an NFC team to win the Super Bowl. The only team I give a shot to in the AFC are the Patriots. Uh, I think Tennessee will make some noise in the playoffs. They run the ball well. They play good defense, but I don't think they're offense is potent enough to beat a really great team like Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. I, this might be the year Aaron Rodgers gets another Super Bowl, by the way. I mean, I really think that the five teams I said, Green Bay, Tampa, the LA Rams, Arizona, and New England. Those are the five teams that, in my opinion, can win a Super Bowl. So winning a Super Bowl is very different from making the playoffs. And the thing that's unknown to me is I, I can't tell you what 14 teams are going to make it into the NFL playoffs. I, I really don't know. I, I think the five teams I said obviously are going to make the playoffs. I think those are the five teams that have a shot to win a Super Bowl. After that, like Minnesota, uh, the, the Dolphins still aren't out of it. And they've won a bunch of games in a row. Washington has a shot. Dallas, I thought, really helped their chances by beating Washington on Sunday. But like, there's so much up in the air with a playoff picture. But the playoff picture, getting in is not the goal. Winning a Super Bowl is the goal. And the five teams that I think can win a Super Bowl, again, Green Bay, Tampa, LA Rams, Arizona, and New England. Okay. Um, <sighs> we got to shift to a, a heavy topic. I'm going I'm to drink some water because this, I, I'm not exactly sure what to say here. I got three bullet points. That's literally it. And I... I've been down bad, man. Uh, I've never said down bad. I've never said that out loud. It's kind of funny. I I've been really having a hard time. And I I've alluded to it on the show, and I, I think it's pretty clear. Like, I haven't been making content very frequently, and I've been saying publicly, like, I'm having a hard time, like, trying to uh, let people know. Um, 
I called up my engagement. And I uh, I think, honestly, most most importantly is that I want people to be nice to my ex. Um, I know some people follow her. She's great. I got nothing bad to say about her. I, I, you know, I, I really don't want people to be mean to her. She did nothing wrong. It was, it was my call, not hers. Um, and I don't, I don't want to get into it. I don't want to have a whole debate about why I called off my engagement, but I, I, I just, what I really want people to know is that happened. It's, it's a, it's a massive life event in my life. It's, it's really, uh, it's, it's been hard to focus on football. Like I, I'm trying to watch sports and I'm like, this doesn't matter. And it, I love sports. It's my favorite thing in the world. And if I'm feeling that way, you know, it's, I started a whole podcast. I've, I've talked for 400 and now this is 27 episodes talking about sports. Sports are my favorite thing in the world. That's my escape. Even my escape from reality, I'm having a hard time connecting with. I'm having a hard time. I'm really down and, and really struggling. And um, that that's majorly why. I mean, I really, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm going through it. And I, I want you guys to know uh, I've been struggling with depression, which is not fun. Uh, and I, I don't want to hide that. I don't want to not acknowledge that. I think, A, so you know, like, why, hey, why is content been so inconsistent? Why has it been such a weird year? It's been the hardest football season of my entire life. I've never, I've never struggled more during a football season than this one. And that's why. Uh, that, that, you know, that, that's what's been going on in my life. And I, I want to, A, let you know so you know why content's been inconsistent. But B, I, I want to be honest and, and kind of hopefully set an example for people who, can acknowledge their shortcomings and their struggles and i um you know another big event today is it's the end of tuesday december 14th and i'm recording very late tuesday it's already it's literally already morning on the east coast like that's the one disadvantage of living here and (laughs) i was gonna record this entire episode on sunday and i've been thrown and thrown and exhausted i read a whole book in one day i just couldn't do anything i was just like um i've been depressed man and i uh, it, it was the anniversary of my brother's death, Tuesday, December 14. He would have been 23 years old. And I think a lot of people know uh, he took his own life a long time ago uh, in 2016. That's six years now. Yeah, 26 years, six, six, five. I think it's been five. I think it's been six years almost. February is when he took his own life, but it's his birthday. It was today. And I, uh, if you're struggling, go get help. My, my little brother uh, never told anyone he was having a hard time. I, I found him in his bedroom. That That's awful. Not fun. I don't want that for anybody else. So I, I, I can't say enough. If you are having a hard time, go get professional help. Do not be afraid to make changes to make your life better. Um, I So it, <laughs> I, I broke down uh, today, Tuesday. Uh, I finally told the world, hey, I called off my engagement. It's It's... It was, a, it was a, a collection of horrible stuff and horrible feelings all together. You know, it's reminded of my brother. I miss my brother a lot. Uh, he was my best friend. We played catch. I learned how to throw a football because of my little brother playing catch with me. And then I played quarterback in college, and I, I love throw. It's still my favorite thing to do is throw a football. All that traces back to my little brother. And while painful, I think it is the right thing to call off my engagement. And I, again, I, I don't want anyone to, my, my fiance did nothing wrong. It's not like, I, Literally, she did nothing. I, I can't even. So I, I want people to treat her really well. She's a great person, and I, I think it's best if we part ways. But I'm now talking probably too long on this. But I want to let you know I've been having the worst time. The worst time. And I've been 
trying to focus on work. Uh, I and I, I I've been having a hard time with it. So I'm I'm letting all you guys in on that. And uh, I don't really have more to say. I literally I literally wrote three bullet points. Said called out my engagement. Be nice to my ex. Uh, and the anniversary of my brother's death. That was one that it's like, of course it happened. Like I literally was trying to just plug, you know, get on through on Tuesday, make content. Finally, it's been a weird week. And then that hit too. And it's like an uppercut. Um, so love you guys. I appreciate you. Uh, my job is my favorite thing in the world. I, I like, I, <laughs> this show is my baby. I, I can't imagine a future not making strong opinion sports. I want that clear. I, and I, I feel a sense of tremendous responsibility. I, I've been having a hard time and I'm still like trying to, I'm trying to make content. I really am. And, and I, I love sports and I, I love talking about sports. It's, it's my escape. And so um, let's get back into escapism. Let's talk a little more about football. I, uh, I just, I couldn't go any longer without acknowledging why I've been having a hard time. What's going on in my life. And, uh, Letting you guys in a little bit behind the scenes on what's going on for me. Okay. Uh, man. On Monday Night Football, the LA Rams beat the Arizona Cardinals 30-23. to Matthew Stafford, the Rams quarterback, I thought had a really good game. I, I think, look, here's the thing. If Matthew Stafford plays the way he played on Monday Night against Arizona then the Rams can absolutely win a Super Bowl. He played clean football, made a bunch of big-time throws. It's one thing to play safe and clean and not have turnovers. He didn't just do that. He was throwing the ball all over the yard. He had this beautiful throw to Cooper Cup, like late in the game, kind of clinched the win, basically, and you're like, that's a beautiful— um, it gave, I, think it gave, I think that's a throw that helped get the Rams in field goal position. Excuse me, I need to sneeze. <laughs> so I think that's the throw that helped get the— Rams in field goal position. And uh, Matthew Stafford was 23 for 30 passing with 287 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. I can't say enough. Like, if he keeps playing that way consistently, the sky's the limit for the LA Rams. And I, I look back, remember the Rams went through a lot of adversity. Robert Woods, their number two receiver, got hurt the same day. They brought in Odell Beckham Jr. It'd be one thing if, like, they brought in Od- Odell and then a week later Robert Woods got hurt. So at least the transition period would have been better. But remember, they had to figure out how to win without Robert Woods and also simultaneously integrate Odell into their offense. That's a really difficult thing to do. And look at the games that the Rams lost when they were kind of down and Matthew Stavard's throwing picks and having a hard time. The defense wasn't the problem. It was Matthew Stafford. Not sure where to go with the ball on key moments, uh, figuring out his matchups, making some bad decisions, forcing throws. The offense was a mess at that time. And I, I think that we're seeing now, after some weeks figuring it out and gelling and working with OBJ, what we're seeing now is that the LA Rams have so many ways they can beat man coverage. It's kind of ridiculous. I... Cooper Cup is the best receiver in football. He had another huge game, 13 catches, 123 yards, and a touchdown. I'm talking big catch after big catch after. And you're like, Jesus, man, that's crazy. Like, I can't even, he's shredding people. OBJ beat man coverage, a a slant on the goal line, got a touchdown. Van Jefferson had a long touchdown. Like, I, I just can't say enough how potent the Rams offense is capable of being. And 
I, I, I don't know. This battle, the NFC West is really fun. I, I wish that we got another game between, and we still might in the playoffs. The Rams and LA are just a great, fun divisional matchup. They know each other well. They both have a, a ton of offensive weapons. And uh, LA just has so many ways they can beat you throwing the football. And I feel like Cooper Cup has a, that stat line, 13 catches, 123 yards, one touchdown. I, I feel like that happened like a week ago. I feel like that, was it two weeks ago? Uh, someone can look it up on the game logs. I'm like, I feel like he just had 123 yards receiving like a couple days ago. And I, it, Cooper Cup is dominating the NFL. It's ridiculous. By the way, the Rams defense has a ton of playmakers as well. Guys who make stuff happen in big moments. Usually it's Aaron Donald. But you also have Jalen Ramsey and Von Miller. Don't forget about them. Kyler Murray, the Cardinals quarterback, had two interceptions in this game. Uh, one was tipped on the goal line by none other than Aaron Donald. He had three sacks on the day. Uh, had the game-winning and game-ending sack of Kyler Murray. He also had a, a play where Kyler has a receiver open in the end zone. Kyler's throwing you know, basically a slant to the end zone. Should have been a touchdown. Aaron Donald gets his big old mitts up there, knocks the ball out of the sky. It... <laughs> it like, you know, tumbles over itself, gets picked off on the goal line. And you're like, wow, not only did Arizona not score a touchdown, Aaron Donald saved a touchdown by tipping the ball. It's crazy what happened there. Uh, and then the second interception Kyler Murray threw is a play. I felt bad for Kyler. Like, you could have had interceptions where Dak Prescott had a ridiculous, hideous, horrible Terrible interception against Washington on Sunday where he threw a pick six with like four minutes left. And it's just like, what one of those plays where you're like, what are you doing? There's nothing there. Like, you're, you're throwing right at a defender. Like, what's happening there? Kyler didn't have any, like, horrible interceptions. One got tipped, and then one was a simple... You, you can be critical if you want. I don't... I just feel bad for Kyler. He, he's rolling to the left, extending a play, has a receiver open. He tries to float the ball over top of Rams linebacker Leonard Floyd. And he simply misjudged Leonard Floyd's vertical jump. He just didn't put the ball high enough. Guy jumps up, grabs it for a pick, and you're like, oh, man, like I, I saw where you were going. You had a receiver open. You just got to float it more. Like literally put more air under the ball, put it up higher, because apparently Leonard Floyd can jump. And uh, like, <laughs> I, I don't know. It looked like an NBA player. I'm like, that's, that's a ridiculous play. Uh, it's just that's a tough one for Kyler. So two interceptions. It did really hurt the, the Arizona Cardinals, though. Now, I want to give a shout-out to Arizona running back James Conner. He had two rushing touchdowns. Great for him. But overall, this was not Arizona's best game. Not by any stretch of the imagination. Remember, Kyler, two picks. Uh, they had some costly penalties in key moments. I mean, when you, you have a turnover and downs, uh, there was a fourth and two on the 14-yard line. DeAndre Hopkins was open, ran a slant, ball hits him in the hands, and he drops it. And you're like, Oh, what? I mean, there were so many little plays that and missed opportunities for Arizona where I felt like, you know, the pick in the in the end zone or on the goal line, excuse me, the the second interception for Kyler Murray, the you know, turnover downs, 14 yard line, your best receiver, one of the best in the league drops a slant. You're like that. I don't know what you do there. That That's bad. Some of it, bad luck. Some of it, bad stuff happened. Uh, the last play of the game, they rushed to Hail Mary and. What they should have done was spike the ball, gotten composure, taken their time, then thrown a good Hail Mary to the end zone. Instead, they rushed it. They tried to beat the clock. They snapped the ball. Kyler runs around, gets sacked, and you're like, I, I don't know why we did that. I don't know why 
we meaning like I, if I'm the coach, I'm like, why didn't we clock it? And, and, and that's on Cliff Kingsbury. And it's not the first time we've seen a critical mistake at the end of a game hurt Arizona. I love Arizona. I respect the year they've had. Uh, I'm, I'm getting worried about them and their ability to win games at the end when it matters most. Now, the game did come down to the final play. It was, it was pretty wild. Arizona recovered an onside kick, had the ball, down seven at the end of the game. It was fun. I mean, that, that's why we watch, right? It's for, I hate when the victory formation comes a little early and you're like, mm, we knew they were going to win. It's fun when there's true drama and your, your heart gets beating a little bit. And you're like, I don't know. I, it is, is Kyler going to throw a touchdown here? What's going to happen? He had a big run that got called. It sucked. Like the, the Cardinals were driving. And, and Kyler had a big run, got called back for holding. Then they got a false start. Then you're like first and 25. Time is ticking away on the clock. And uh, Arizona obviously could not win. They lost 30 to 23. They could not score on the final drive with the ball. But I like that the game happened that way. It really, I would love to see a game where Arizona plays their best against LA because I, I know they're capable of winning that game. It just, this was not their, their best at all. Also, I want to give a shout out to Odell Beckham Jr., there was a really heads-up play, and I think a lot of people didn't know this rule. I didn't even fully understand it. I thought if your body was literally turned backwards and you were, like, backpedaling out of bounds, then the clock would keep running. No, if you run, if you run, you can be running straight ahead. But if you run straight ahead and you run backwards away from the line of scrimmage out of bounds, the clock will keep running. And OBJ caught a screen pass on kind of near the sideline, realized he was in trouble, ran backwards out of bounds, and what it did was kept the clock running. It ticked about 40 extra seconds off the clock, and like even Matthew Stafford was sitting there like, what? What? why would you run out of bounds? Not realizing the rule fully. And so uh, what we got was Odell Beckham Jr. really contributing to a key moment helping the Rams win a football game. I thought Arizona, Arizona had a, had a, gave up a sack. They That moment happened. They, they should have clocked the ball a couple times. I don't think Arizona handled the end of this game very well at all. And it is definitely concerning moving forward for the Arizona Cardinals. Okay, uh, let's dive further into NFL Week 14. There are five things I find noteworthy from NFL Week 14. The noteworthy five. Uh, let's start with number one. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Bills 33-27 to in overtime. I would imagine that if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, I'm pretty sure you never want to ever, ever, ever play against Tom Brady the rest of your life. And if that never happens, you'd be totally fine. You're like, I don't need to ever see Tom Brady play against him in my lifetime. Uh, Tampa was actually up 24 to 3 at halftime. Now, credit to the Bills. They scored 17 points unanswered in the final like 10 minutes of the game. Forced overtime. They lost in overtime. In fact, they actually had the ball first in overtime. Couldn't score, had to punt it away. In overtime, Tom Brady hit Brashad Perryman for a 58-yard little crossing route, found a man, caught it, gone. Touchdown, 58 yards, game winner, number 700, the 700th touchdown pass of Tom Brady's career between the playoffs and the regular season. Now, a lot of people saw them like, well, I remember when Tom Brady had number 600 like two weeks ago. And there was that whole that Mike Evans threw the ball in the stands, gave it to a fan, they had to retrieve it. Yes, that was regular season touchdown 600. Now, cumulative regular season and postseason, he just reached 700th 
hundred. So if anyone was like, "What the? Wow!" Remember, how did he didn't throw a hundred touchdown passes in like two weeks? That that's what happened. That's how we got there. Um, I gotta give a shout out. Tom Brady made a throw in this game. He was there was pressure in his face. He had to get rid of the ball early. He threw like a a rainbow, just way up in the air. He threw it super early, way before Mike Evans broke. He threw a corner ball that. It was one of the best throws I've seen, seen all year where he knew exactly where Mike Evans was going to be and threw it super early, super high before he made his break. And that you throw the ball. Sorry, excuse me. I dropped my pen. You throw the ball a lot before a receiver makes their break often. Like even high school football, right? I was throwing corner balls like before they break. And it's the best feeling in the world when you throw the ball, you throw the ball, then they break, then they look, the ball's there, they catch it. But this was that dialed to 11 and it, it was just an amazing throw where he just threw it super early on a corner ball to Mike Evans. I want to give a shout out to Josh Allen. He made some big time throws in this game and, and big time meaning like, yeah, I don't, big boy is like the, the word that comes to mind where he had a deep dig that, so I have a little tiny mini football. It's around here somewhere. It's literally like junior size. And when I throw that thing, I feel like Cam Newton. I feel it makes, it's a tiny football. So when I hold it, I feel like a, a giant. I feel like I'm six, five and I can sling that thing anywhere I want really far, really fast. And Josh Allen throws like that, except for the normal size football. And he threw this deep dig where the speed with which the ball gets out of his hands into the hands of Stephon Diggs blew me away. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's crazy. That's, that's a 20 yard throw on a line that, and then he had another one. He had a deep comeback route along the right sideline, making like really tough, big time throws that only he and a couple other quarterbacks in the world can make. And the thing I want to say about this is that, I love Tua Tungavaloa, the Dolphins' second-year quarterback. I, I think he's got a shot to become a franchise quarterback, a shot. But the painful reality is that I watched Josh Allen make those throws. Man, I watched Justin Herbert a couple times in the last weeks, and I'm like, you know, I love Tua. He ain't making that throw. He, he just isn't capable of that. That. And I don't know if that's does that it's is that really something to it needs? I don't know. It sure would be nice though. That rifle, that massive cannon on the right arm of Josh Allen to throw a deep dig, like before a guy breaks, just bam, it's right on it's right on Stephon Diggs. That that comeback route along the right sideline, those are big, long throws that show off your arm strength that Tua, I love the guy, ain't capable of making. Okay, number two, Dallas beat Washington 27-20. to uh, And it was actually kind of a weirdly ugly win for Dallas. Uh, Taylor Heineke, the Washington quarterback, had two early turnovers. He had a, an interception, then he had a fumble. Uh, that gave Dallas an 18 to nothing lead very early on in the first quarter. Also, shout-out to Micah Parsons, the Cowboys rookie linebacker. He had a big hit. He's the one who caused that fumble. It's a sack fumble, led to a touchdown. You know, got recovered and returned for a touchdown. Micah Parsons is having a ridiculous year. Just he's. I, I've been talking like he's. I, I was saying the other day. I'm like, he's like rookie defensive player of the year, right? And people are like he might be regular defensive player of the year. He's having that good. Of, it, it's just amazing what he's doing. Now, here is the concern for Dallas after this game. Dak Prescott, their starting quarterback, was not great in the second half. He, in my opinion, really contributed to allowing Washington to 
hang around in this game. When you watch the first quarter of this game, I, I saw that Dallas was up 18 to nothing. And I went for a walk. I'm like, I, I need a little break. I, I went for a walk. I paused. It came back. Uh, and I'm like, oh, I wonder what the score is before I catch up on the game. And I, I'm not going to lie. I expected it to be like 45 to 10. I'm like, this game is going to be a blow. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's, it's 27 to 20. Like it's really close. And Dallas didn't put away Washington and Washington hung around. And the biggest, most concerning play was that Dak Prescott threw a pick six with literally four minutes left in the game. He made it 27 to 20. Like he gave Washington a chance to win this football game with a bad decision. I, I can't defend. It's a terrible throw, terrible decision. Washington actually had the ball at the end of the game, down seven points, three minutes left with a chance to score. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't have their quarterback, Taylor Heineke. He got hurt. Uh, he had a knee injury. He will be back next week. They also lost their starting receiver, their stud, Terry McLaurin, to a concussion. So Washington had a shot. They, they fell short. They didn't win the game on the final drive. But that's that's a concern. I mean, I'm worried about Dak. I am... I, the narrative early on in the year was Dak is different. He got a massive contract. He looks really good. And as the year has gone on, that that narrative Dak is different has become Dak might be detrimental to this football team. And And even staunch defenders of Dak, massive Cowboys fans are like... Mm, that game playing his best football right now. And that's not good. I, this team surprised me this year. Dallas is better than I thought they would be. And they have a shot to win a Super Bowl. They, they, they are, they're right there, man. They, they're, they kind of remind me a lot of Kansas City, a team that they're just, there are better football teams in the NFL that have better quarterbacks, that make better decisions, that are a little bit better on defense, a little bit better here and there. Dallas is so close, and what they need really from Dak is for him to elevate them and give people watching confidence he can really take them to the next level and win a Super Bowl. And right now when I watch Dak, I'm not seeing that at all. And that, that sucks, but that's the reality. Now, this is a massive, massive, awful loss for Washington. If Washington had won this game, they would be one game behind Dallas in their division with another game against them in two weeks. They really did control their own destiny. And as it is now, instead of being one game behind Dallas, Dallas is now nine and four. Washington is six and seven. Washington is not out of it. If the playoffs started today, they would be the number seven seed. But mm, man, that's a, it's a tough, painful loss. Now Washington still has four more division games. They can go four no to end the year and go 11 and seven. No, 10 and seven. No, it'd be 11. How is that possible? 11 and 10 and 7. It's got to be. No. 7, 8, 9, 10, and 7. I thought that was. Oh, 9 and 7. So, so that is 17 games. Yeah. So, uh, gosh, I'm. This new math with the new year, it's throwing me off. I'm like, uh, I don't remember. I remember teams have, playing 16 games. I'm trying to adjust to 17. It's really hard for me. I'm still like figuring out what's the final score look like at the end of the year? Yeah. So, Washington can go 10 and 7 which I think gives them a decent shot at making the playoffs, but they got to win out. Like Washington controls their own destiny, but they have to win. And if they don't, the year is going to come to an end. Okay, number three, the Browns beat the Ravens 24 to 22. I don't have a lot to say about this game, but I want to give a shout out to Ravens backup quarterback, Tyler Huntley. Lamar Jackson got hurt in this football game very early. Uh, He sprained his ankle. He is expected to play next week, though. 
Now, backup quarterback Tyler Huntley for the Ravens, a guy undrafted out of Utah, had a, a cool victory the other day. He's awesome. Now, he had two fumbles that cost Baltimore in this game. Uh, one gave Cleveland a touchdown on a return. The other was on the 12-yard line in the red zone. These are really costly turnovers. These fumbles, I think they cost Baltimore a lot of points. But it's also complicated. I, I think that what I, don't, what I want to say about this game, and I, I don't want it to get lost from this game, is that Tyler Huntley... Yes, had two costly mistakes that hurt his football team. I mean, the Browns were up 17 to nothing at one point. But Tyler Huntley made it interesting. Like The reason why this game was a two-point game was because Tyler Huntley made play after play after play. He was 27 for 38 passing, had 270 yards, one touchdown. Um, on one hand, you can blame the guy and say, like, ah, Tyler Huntley wasn't good enough. Hey, look, he's a backup quarterback. You're missing Lamar. But let's acknowledge, I think, as much as we can celebrate who he is, because he also made this game interesting. He had a great game. He's the reason why this gives a two-point football game. And uh, in spite of the bad performance as far as fumbles, I, I do want to give him a shout-out. Because he, he's not expected to, to do that. He's a backup quarterback. He's, he's not supposed to be able to th- do what he did on Sunday. And I thought he played very well considering the situation. And uh, I, I will see if Lamar comes back healthy on Sunday. Number four. The 49ers beat the Bengals 26 to 23 in overtime. Here's what I want to talk about. The implications of this, because uh, I'm not that interested in the 49ers. Like they look like they might be a playoff team, but I'm like, what does that mean? Like they're not going to win a Super Bowl. So I don't, I'm not that excited about the 49ers. I mean, it would take a miracle for the 49ers to win a Super Bowl. But to me, the story is that Cincinnati, the Bengals are sliding. They were seven and four. Uh, in fact, they were five and two even. Now they are seven and six. They're one game above five hundred, and they got four games left. And the AFC North is a mess right now. The Ravens lead the AFC North. They're eight and five. Then you got the Browns and Bengals, both seven and six, and then Pittsburgh is six, six and one. I'm really interested if Cincinnati can win this division. Because they're one game back, and it's going to be a crazy end of the year. In fact, if anyone, I would love for people to write in. And don't just write in because you're a fan of, like, Devin, I love you. You're a fan of the Steelers. You're super biased. Who do you think is going to win the AFC North? I have no idea. I'm very, I'm open. I'm curious. I'm excited to find out what you guys think. Um, it's going to be a wild end of the year. I think the AFC North is my, the one division battle I'm most excited to see play out. Because it's just all four teams have a legitimate shot and I don't know what's going to happen. There's not really an, there's no standout team. There's also no dumpster horrible team. They're just all solid. And I'm like, well, let's see what happens. Cause I'm really, really curious to see how the AFC North will play out. Here is noteworthy. Number five. We got to talk about urban Meyer, the Jacksonville Jaguars head coach. The Jaguars are two and 11. Uh, the Jaguars just lost to Tennessee 20 to nothing. Rookie quarterback Trevor Lawrence just threw four interceptions in that game. And by the way, I, I don't like Urban Meyer. I Let's be clear about that. I thought that they, you watch the handshake. So <laughs> Mike Vrabel, the Titans head coach, used to be on Urban Meyer's staff at Ohio State. Now they're coaching against each other in the NFL. Before the game, the, the interaction between Mike Vrabel and Urban Meyer was awesome. After the game, Urban Meyer just cold, super, I I thought, a little bit disrespectful. It's clear to me Urban Meyer does not handle losing 
very well at all. Go If anyone's curious, go watch the video. Go watch Urban Meyer, Mike Vrabel handshake postgame. And you're like, the pregame handshake was very different from the postgame handshake. It's wild. And the rumors are bad. I keep hearing rumors about Urban Meyer calling people out and saying all kinds of horrible stuff to his assistant coaches. And why would you call out your assistant coaches? I just don't get it. Because here's the thing. Urban Meyer hired them. Like, if they're so bad, why did you hire them to your staff? Urban's a hypocrite. He doesn't handle losing very well. Um, the situation benching James Robinson was weird. And I'm, I'm just giving you, like, the bare-bones, cliff notes version. Someone in Jacksonville could really tell you all I need a gritty. It's, it's bad. Trevor Lawrence, the well-spoken, say what you want about Trevor Lawrence. The dude is very, very, he knows what he's doing. He's well-media trained. He's not an idiot. He's very smart. Trevor has gone out of his way to contradict his head coach, Urban Meyer, multiple times this year. What? Oh, he's called his coach out? Like, not, not indirectly, but he's been like, Urban will say one thing, and Trevor's like, oh, actually, the exact opposite. And it's happened multiple times, and they're like, what's going on? And I just want to ask a question. Does anyone still support Urban Meyer? I don't—he cheated on his wife, but whatever. That, that, I don't know. It's just—who cares? That's not football-related. But it really hurt his credibility. And that aside, the year is going badly in Jacksonville. He's not handling losing well. He's calling out his assistants. I don't Did he expect it to be easy? I don't really know what's going on. Here's the thing. Urban Meyer did not need to win games this year. That's fine. He inherited a horrible, horrible Jacksonville Jaguars football team. No problem. But the team needed to show progress from game one until the end of the year. And we're not seeing progress. In fact, if anything... The Jaguars, I feel like, are getting worse week to week. That's the sign of a coach that needs to go. Your team isn't getting better every week. In fact, again, they're taking steps backwards. Your rookie quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, has been so mismanaged. You you get this Ferrari handed to you. I'm, imagine Here's what the best comparison I can make. I, I, drive, I know how to drive a stick shift. A lot of people can't. It's hard. You got to use a clutch. You got to shift as you go. It's It's different. This is like someone getting a brand new Ferrari that's a stick shift, not knowing how to drive it, and just ruining the clutch. Just shifting wrong, stalling out the car, like, just shakes and shudders to a stop because you don't know how to shift a manual. Like, that's how it feels. Trevor Lawrence, I feel like, is getting ruined by this, I almost said idiot coach. That's not that far off. Um, He's being mismanaged by his coach. It's bad. And I'm, I'm worried about the future of Trevor Lawrence. You have this great commodity, this really fantastic quarterback. Don't screw it up. And, and I think Jacksonville is screwing it up by hiring the wrong guy. It's going bad, man. Uh, like, <laughs> Gardner Minshew, I, I don't want to bring this up, but Gardner Minshew, to start his career, looked way better than Trevor Lawrence did. And it's not because Trevor Lawrence is terrible. It's not because he can't play, doesn't have a good arm. It's because the things around him are somehow even worse than they were around Gardner Mitchell. That's bad. You, you got, I, I don't know why we're hanging on to Urban Meyer. I don't, I don't get it. Like Shad Khan, the owner is like, I'm going to take my time and do the right thing. I think the right thing is getting him out of there now. I, I think the longer Urban Meyer's in Jacksonville, 
I said it weeks ago, and people were like pushing back. Ah, blah, blah. I don't really care. Do you? Those people that were angry when I said Urban Meyer should be fired after like the weird cheating scandal after Thursday Night Football. Where are you now? Do you finally see things the way I do? Do you also think Urban Meyer should be fired? Because if you're a Jaguars fan, there's and you're actually a Jag, either you're an Urban Meyer fan or you're a Jaguars fan. Because at this point, I don't think they have the same interest. An Urban Meyer fan wants Urban Meyer to be employed. I don't know why you would be an Urban Meyer fan. I don't know what he's done ever really to make you like Urban Meyer. I certainly don't respect him or like him. But if you're a Jaguars fan and you want what's best for your football team, that person doesn't support Urban Meyer, right? There's no way. There's no way a person who wants what's best for Jacksonville also wants Urban Meyer to keep his job, right? So, I, I got a lot of questions. P- p- please write and let me know what you think. But I, I'm over Urban Meyer in Jacksonville. He should be fired. Let's be clear. He should be fired. <sighs> one topic left, guys. Um, one topic left. I got some controversy to read after this segment because there is something related to this that I think I should read. Let me, let me find it before we get into it. I want to find that. Wow, we got a lot of write-ins from Patreon this week. Uh, doing Ask Zach next episode, recording in today's Tuesday night, recording Wednesday night, hopefully for that one. Um, gosh, I got so much. I'm so behind. I, I have so many things to talk about. It's it's overwhelming. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, I, next episode is going to be really good, I have no doubt. Where is Allie? Allie wrote in with a question. I want to find it before I... Allie, Allie. Bam! Got it. Okay, screenshot that so I don't forget it and lose it. Allie, I'm going to circle back to your question after this segment. On Sunday, we had the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, and we got a new world champion in Formula 1. Max Verstappen won the world title. He beat Lewis Hamilton. It was crazy. It was very, very controversial. Uh, and I want to remind people, there, there are two sides to this. And I, I find myself um, more of a Max Verstappen fan I was rooting for Max. But I don't think it's right to completely celebrate and not acknowledge the pain Mercedes fans are feeling. And the understandable frustration. Like, I, I, I was, the outcome made me happy, but it wasn't when I was like, oh, yeah, I feel great about that. Like, I, I am so glad my favorite driver won that way. It was a very controversial, we'll get into the controversy, but I want to acknowledge, hey, like, I, Mercedes fans, I get your pain. I understand. I'm, I'm going to talk about what excites me and why this was my favorite sports moment of the year. And, and I'm talking everything. Football, basketball, baseball, NFL, everything. But I, I, I understand your pain. And we'll, we'll break it down in a moment. I want to first say this, though. Lewis Hamilton lost the world championship in a super controversial way. And, and I'm going out of my way to talk about Lewis before Max because it really impressed me the way Lewis handled what happened on Sunday. He was gracious. He was respectful. He was celebratory of Max. He, I, I, I honestly, he handled losing that way, way better than I would. I'm pretty sure I would have lost my mind if I lost the way Lewis Hamilton lost on Sunday. <clears throat> and he is a better man than me. I, I just was blown away. By the way, Lewis Hamilton handled all that. Now, here are the two big moments of controversy, among others. The two I want to highlight from this race. Number one, early in the race, uh, Max Verstappen passed Lewis Hamilton. He made a movie, dove inside, and he kept all four tires on the track. 
Lewis lost his positioning. Lewis ran wide and and then continued off the track and, and just took a big lead over Max and continued off the track and and my mind took a lasting advantage. Now, Lewis by the the race stewards, Michael Massey, were not Lewis was not forced to give the spot back. I, I thought Max passed Lewis and then said, ah, you know what, I'm dipping out, left the track, stayed in first, and they will argue Lewis slowed down a little bit to give back the gap that was, I said, come on, I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. I thought that was a bit nonsense. I'm like, hey, I think Lewis should be forced to give that spot back. Um, but it's funny how I remember being really frustrated by that moment early on in the race, and then uh, that moment with Max and Lewis, you know, Max passing Lewis, and I feel like getting screwed over a little bit by the race stewards. That moment feels so small and inconsequential compared to the second controversial moment in this race, which was Lewis had basically won the race. I mean, there were six laps left. He had a 12 to 13 second gap. And I'm watching as a Max fan, hopeless. I'm like, it's over. Like the race, Red Bull didn't have the pace to beat Mercedes today. And, uh, you know, he's just, he was way ahead of Max. Max was in second. And that is when, on lap 53 of 58, Nicholas Latifi crashed, and he brought out the safety car. And uh, Max pitted. He got new tires. By the way, Mercedes had a couple opportunities to, at two to be specific, two chances to get new tires under a safety car, under caution. And Mercedes didn't do it because they didn't want to lose track position to Red Bull. But the result was, at the end of the race, when Nicholas Atifi crashed and there's a safety car, Max got new tires. Max had fresher tires than Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton had old, I believe, hard tires. Max Verstappen had brand new soft tires. And race director Michael Massey created a situation where we got one lap of racing between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton to decide the world title. And it, honestly, it was as awesome as it sounds out loud. The end of the safety car after lap 57. Uh, and simultaneously, now here's where the controversy begins. Because they allowed the lap cars between Max and Lewis to get through uh, and unlap themselves. And what that did was put Max and Lewis side by side, manufacturing a moment where they would race one lap to win the world title. To decide the world title. And I've never seen anything like that, personally. Watching, I was happy. I was rooting for Max. Uh, I I want racing, man. I don't want the world championship race, the final race of the year. I don't want it to end under safety car. That feels wrong and disappointing and not what I want. But I like I, I as happy as the outcome made me so happy. The way it went down, uh never seen anything like that in my time watching. Now, I'm, I'm relatively new, only watching Formula 1 for a couple of years, but uh, only five of the eight cars were allowed to and were were put through to unlap themselves. And I get I get why it happened because you're you're creating a moment, Max versus Lewis. I, I understand, and and I I can't say enough how happy I was to see them race. And I, and this moment, I had accepted Max's fate. I, I I figured, hey, if they race one lap and Lewis wins and Max loses, I'd be happy. Because as a Max fan, I'm, I'm like, I'll take the opportunity. I'm just happy to have a shot, even. Because I, it was hopeless. 
<laughs> with five, you know, six laps to go, I'm like, I want to turn it off. I'm having a hard time watching this. And I, I didn't, it's my job to watch and I would never turn it off early. But what happened was we got Max versus Lewis, one lap. Max had better tires. He passes Lewis Hamilton. Was it the tires? Was it uh, probably, I mean, way more pace. And, and, and I got to say, for me personally, this one lap, Max versus Lewis, was my, it's my favorite sports moment of the year. I, I haven't enjoyed watching anything in the sports world as much as I watched, enjoyed watching Max Verstappen race, wheel the wheel against Lewis Hamilton, and, and win. I was cool to see him win, but I would have been happy either way because there's not a lot of... I watch sports all day, every day. It's my full-time job. I, I'm very fortunate. I love my job. I'm very happy. The result of that, though, is that sometimes I feel almost numb to some of the. I watch some of the biggest moments in sports, and I'm like, eh, like I'm, I'm like writing about it, taking notes, and I, the the effect of the moment feels really hard for me to engage with. This moment, <laughs> and I, I like I I can't speak for Mercedes fans. I would imagine Mercedes fans felt the same way, whether you were, whether your heart jumped because you were happy. Or because you were furious and angry. Don't tell me you didn't watch the end of the Formula One season. That final lap. And felt moved emotionally in one direction. Oh my goodness, dude. I have not felt my heart was pounding. I was tingling. I was like literally just like, this is amazing what's happening. And I think a lot of it was because of my, it's a roller coaster Russians. You're you watch Max. He didn't have the pace to beat Lewis. And I saw a great, there's a, I can't remember who the guy's name is. He makes these funny um, memes. He's funny. Like he impersonates Christian Horner. And he said like, well, we didn't have the pace or the something like basically like nothing worked in favor for Red Bull. And they still won. It's what I, I, I'm, I'm picturing. There's some guy look up ESPN F1 on Instagram. They, they post, they repost a guy who does like F1 impressions. And he is amazing. Uh, let me look it up. I want to find his name because he, he's fantastic. I don't really care. I'll cut this out while I'm looking, but I, I want to find this. Max Verstappen, Lewis. Christian, well done. Give us your thoughts. Uh, look, you know, all year we've always tried to give Max the right car. Uh, you know, today we had two strategies. Uh, one was to uh, either be faster than Lewis or two, uh, rear-end him. Thankfully, we didn't have to use either. Do you feel for Total? <laughs> so uh jeez the guy's name is <laughs> and why, why did i do that I, I literally closed it i'm such an idiot i was like watching laughing at it i closed it um connor sketches on instagram makes these hilarious videos where he impersonates all kinds of people but it looks like mostly his best videos are formula one and uh his impersonation of Christian Horner saying like we had two strategies today either have the faster car or rear end Lewis Hamilton and we didn't have to do either and I'm like ah <laughs> it's, it's awesome and my heart was beating so fast in this moment watching Max um compete with and beat Lewis and so the result is we have a new world champion Lewis Hamilton and uh, I, I can't say enough how happy I am that they let them race I really really I wanted them to race that's that's how i want this to end i don't want it to end on a safety car and quietly they tuck their tails and lewis wins that way uh mercedes was not happy that they're go watch on youtube there are amazing clips of first it was two weeks ago when 
you know, they, Lewis rear-ended Max, and you see Toto throwing his, his headphones. That's that's a great moment, like all time in Formula One. But then you have no, Michael, no, and I, I can't do a German accent, but it, like the way no, Michael, this is wrong, Michael, and <laughs> Michael, the way he says it, and uh, Michael Massey goes, uh, "It's an auto race. We went racing today, some some to that effect." And it's just like these are all time great quotes, not just in Formula One, but in sports. Period. It's like. The interactions between Michael Massey and Toto Wolf are heartbreaking and hilarious, and I can't say enough. If you haven't watched them, and you're not, even if you're not an F1 fan, go watch them. It's amazing the interactions and the disappointment and the and the accent of Toto Wolf. I'm not making fun of it; it's just like it really makes a moment even better. And uh, I will say it's it is funny. All the Mercedes people that were constantly saying because Mercedes knew they had a faster car especially in this track. And uh, they were saying, like, let's settle this on the track. Let's see what happens. They'll let the better driver decide. Uh, well, but they kind of got their wish. I mean, they did decide it on the track, and unfortunately, it didn't work out for Lewis. Now, I, as much as you can say that, you know, Lewis got screwed over by the decision to allow them to race— you also can kind of point to, hey, Mercedes had opportunities to put on better tires for Lewis, and they didn't do it they, repeatedly. And what that does is it leaves you vulnerable if there is a safety car. If there is a safety car, and, and if it happened earlier, by the way, it would have been even worse for, for Lewis. So um, I don't know. I, I thought Mercedes was overly conservative, and it cost him. It, it, I think it, it cost Lewis a world title. Remember, Mercedes still won the Constructors' Championship. But Max won the world title, the driver's title. Now, I want to honor and respect Lewis Hamilton. I, I think that people, I just don't want it forgotten how dominant and incredible Lewis Hamilton is. Here are the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten, I, I think plus one, an eleventh one there. Records Lewis Hamilton has in Formula One. He's got the most wins in F1 history, 103. Most pole positions in F1, 103. Most points in F1, 4,064.5. I love that 0.5 from this weird year we got. Uh, most podium finishes, 182. Most consecutive race starts, 266. Most consecutive points finishes, 48. Most laps led in Formula 1, 5,396. Most races leading every single lap of the race, 23. Most wins at different circuits, 31. Lewis Hamilton is the only driver to win a race. In every year he's competed in. Think about that. Think about that. He's won a race in every year he's completed. Uh, that's unheard of. That, that means you've been, from the moment you set foot in the Formula One world, you were winning and doing very well. And, man, uh, I, I, here's the 11th one I want to add. Add on top of all the records Lewis Hamilton has put out there. He, he, he's amazing. I, I, I don't know who you... Is it Michael? Is it Michael Schumacher? Is it Lewis Hamilton? Who's the best ever? I don't even know how you. Do, I, I don't know how you even determine that. Like I, they're different eras. They're different. I, I don't. I don't want to have that debate. I don't really care. But the thing that Lewis did that I will never forget, and I don't. I don't really know that Max is going to win another world title. We see often. It took everything, and then some. Like Max needed a lot of help to win this world title. Not to mention there, there's two. So Nicholas Satifi, uh, the race stewards. It took. Sergio Perez. I haven't even talked about Sergio Perez. Sergio Perez was just amazing. 
slowing down, causing trouble, uh, really backing down Lewis Hamilton, allowing it. There was a moment where Max was behind Lewis and it Checo was in first and Checo Perez really did not. It was probably the best rate of racing I've ever seen from Sergio Perez just would not allow Lewis Hamilton passed him, and it, it allowed Max Verstappen to catch up and close the gap from third to second to get closer to Lewis Hamilton, and that's because Sergio Perez was in first, slowing down. It's, it's amazing, amazing drive. I feel like I'm so ba- sorry. Haven't even talked about Sergio Perez yet, and the amazing the teamwork and what he brought, and so many people allowed and helped Max Verstappen to win a world title that would not have happened without them. Like he needed a lot of help, and so I, I don't know that we're going to see another world title. For Max Verstappen, often you see great drivers, but Kimi Raikkonen won only one, and Kimi Raikkonen's a great driver. I mean, this happens a lot, where a, a great driver wins whenever they get they get the right opportunity. James Hunt, Hunt won. James Hunt versus Nicky Lauda, my, my favorite movie, one of my favorite movies, Rush. James Hunt, a great driver, won one time. Right, it's very rare to win a lot of world titles. But what stands out to me most, actually, from this world title. The exciting finish, the the heart pounding moment, the, the cool finish, the uh, controversy. I just I want to leave you with this because imagine losing a world title. It's your career, bro. You put everything into it. You had a great year. You lose a world title in a really crazy controversial way, where it feels like the rules got changed at the end. And then imagine doing that feeling incredibly screwed over but then handling it in a really calm respectful way graciously going quietly mercedes has not gone quietly mercedes the team has fought it every step of the way but lewis hamilton himself the things he said the way he treated max he was he, he could have i think he could have walked up to max and been really disrespectful after that and, and i don't think i would have got it i would have understood it. if if lewis had beaten max and gone up to max and Say, screw you, bro. That, that's ridiculous. And what, he didn't do that. Lewis congr- congratulated Max Verstappen. It was gracious. His dad was kind. I, I'm sure Lewis was thinking about his first time winning a world title in that moment. Lewis is a champion of champions. I, I, I can't say enough how impressed I was with his character in Abu Dhabi. That, that race was wild. And uh, I just, I want to leave you with that. I have nothing but respect for Lewis Hamilton. What he did and how he handled that controversy, I, I, I really couldn't have done that. I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I'm about to cry. Like I, I know that I would have handled that far worse than he did. Uh, and uh, his career isn't over. I feel like I'm talking about it like he's going away forever. But I, I just, as much, I love Max. He's my favorite driver in F1. I, I was so elated to see the guy win. But it's a shame. that I, Honestly, I wish they could have both won because they, they really, it was an incredible battle we got all year. And... That, the moment and the joy I felt watching Max Verstappen win a world title, that moment doesn't happen without the contribution of Lewis Hamilton being himself and fighting so hard and being a great competitor and then also being unbelievably gracious after losing. So, um, nothing nothing but respect for Lewis Hamilton. Okay, let's end the show this way. I want to read a question. Uh, I, I, look, I, I do not delve into politics at all. Oh, I don't, I don't know anything. And I want to be very clear, very open. I know 
nothing about politics. I'm a sportsman, right? I write about sports. I very happily pretend the political world doesn't exist. I don't acknowledge it. I don't, I, I can't do anything about it. It makes me very depressed. I, I, some of my darkest moments in the world are when I think about the environment and I'm like, I, I can't do anything. I really like, it's horrible. It's tragic. It makes me feel horrible. Um, I do the little things I can, but I want to read a question from Ali. Ali writes in and says, hi, Zach. I noticed you recently covered the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, and I was wondering if you could talk on the show about the concerns many fans have with this connection. Saudi Arabia is a country that does not respect the rights of women's, gays, and many other minorities. People are still, to this day, stoned to death and forced to undergo amputations in Saudi Arabia for things as simple as theft and adultery. As someone myself who has watched Formula One for over a decade, I struggle to support F1 knowing where the money is coming from. I know you don't like talking about politics, but simply mentioning Saudi Arabia is political these days. But simply mentioning Saudi Arabia is political these days. Hopefully I can hear back from you. Also, I appreciate the work you do. Ali, thank you. Um, I wanted to talk about this because I... Wow. Uh, how, do you, how do you acknowledge this? I, it's hard. There are two entities in the world that I, I, you guys know me. I don't talk about politics. I... I I don't care about the vaccine. I don't care. About, I, I don't. I don't. I just don't go there. I, I don't. This is a sports show. But there, there are two big problems in the world that I, I, I don't. I feel like I have to acknowledge. I don't know how to. The Chinese government terrifies me. I don't. They disappear people. There's that golfer who got disappeared. Like there's all kinds of horrible stuff. And then Saudi Arabia, like the way the way they treat. You can get put to death for being homosexual. And I don't, I don't care if you're a conservative Christian. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what your background is. Nobody should be stoned to death for who they love. E even if you're like the most conservative Christian person out there, you're very against homosexuality. You're telling me you want people to get killed? It's wrong. It's so wrong. It's horrible. And I, yeah, I, I feel a bit weird Watching a, a race take place in a country that I, I don't approve of, that I don't like. And, and I want to be clear, it's not the people in Saudi Arabia. The, the people that live there under the government, under the royal family, they don't decide the rules. They're just people. They're like you and me. It's the people at the top who made the rules that are awful and unfair and, and bigoted and horrible. Uh, and and I, I, I have reached a... What I want to talk about here with Ali's question, and, and kind of it was a statement, but I want to acknowledge it, is that I do the best I can, right? I don't, the Chinese government makes me feel disgusted and, and embarrassed about humanity and it's awful. And I don't think anyone should be put to death for who they love. It's just not, sorry, I don't, I don't, I don't support that. But also my, I don't know how to, I'm at a conundrum, right? I, I don't know how, I, do I not watch my very favorite sports championship? because it takes place in a country I don't like. And, I, and I, I we're at the point where I, I don't know how to not... Um, this is a game I don't play, right? Like, I, I, I don't know how to not buy anything from China. I don't know how to completely cut off the stuff that I don't agree with in the world. I, I don't. And so things I think are, are vehemently wrong, like the Saudi Arabian policies. I, I don't know what to do there. Um, but I think the best thing I can do... like. If I'm going to watch it, I can at least acknowledge how, how fucked up Saudi Arabia is and, and awful a lot of the rules are. And the people aren't bad. It's the people at the top who make the rules. 
the ruling class there. I don't, I don't agree with that. And so if I'm going to watch it and talk about the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, I think the, the least I can do is acknowledge how fucked up and horrible that country is as far as some of the way they treat homosexuals, minorities, women. Um, you, you guys know me. If you listen to the show, you know, I don't do this stuff. I, I really don't. America is in the middle of this pandemic and it's become this massive political, of course, of course, like everything, it becomes about politics and I don't, it becomes about dividing people. And I don't, I don't, I don't like doing that. I want everyone to feel welcome for my show. Uh, and I think I even have people that listen from Saudi Arabia. I don't have a problem with you in Saudi Arabia. People live there. It's, it's the policies there. And I just, I, I think the least I can do if I'm going to talk about races that happen in Saudi Arabia is acknowledge. Uh, and, and look, I, here's what is going to happen. People are going to say, well, if you're going to acknowledge this, you should acknowledge everything. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to make this a political show. I'm not going to do that. But I, I, I saw your question. I felt moved. I figured I might as well say it. Uh, yeah, the, the stuff that goes down in Saudi Arabia are, are horrible. Um, and it's not a problem of the people that live there. It's the people that make the rules there. Um, and I think it's fucked up and wrong. So I've cussed three times. I don't ever cuss on the show. So, Ali, uh, thank you for writing in. I want to acknowledge that. It was an amazing end of the Formula 1 season. I'm not going to skip my my favorite event in the sports world because of stuff I don't agree with that I can't change. But I, I, I can at least acknowledge that it exists. And I, I'm uncomfortable. I'm doing the best I can. I, I'm a human. I'm a flawed human. I, I love my job. And uh, I'm just a guy doing the very best I can. I love you. I appreciate you. Hope you have a great day, uh, and I will see you very soon for the next episode. But um, bum, bam, we are.